Grab your Bibles, turn with me if you would, to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to read uh, uh, several verses today, so stay with me if you will. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm going to read more verses than I normally do. Um, We won't be able to cover them all today, but over the next um, few weeks we'll, we'll, we'll touch back to them, but... Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, I ask that you would help me. Lord, fix whatever's going on up here. Get me out of the way that you might speak to all of us in this place. Lord, I pray that you'd open our heart, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. I love you, God. I thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. For we are confident that you are meant for better things. Everybody say better things. Better things. Things that come with salvation. The New King James Version says it like this. Things that accompany salvation. God saved us, but that's not all that he did for us. There are things that go along with salvation. Verse 12. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. It, it takes two things to get God's, uh, for sure, uh, among others, but you've got to have faith and you've got to have endurance if you're going to receive God's promises in your life. It, for some people, the promises come quickly. For others, it's taken a little time, but we have faith and endurance. Amen? Verse 13, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham, and since there was no greater to swear, no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. So here's what God said. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you. Except Abraham didn't have a son. And that went on a long time with no son. But Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. So he made a promise... And then he made an oath to keep that promise. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. The New King James Version says here that it is immutable. Meaning it doesn't even have the ability to change. Because God can't lie. 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And I love this part. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We'll come back to that later in the sermon. It leads us through the curtain to God's inner sanctuary. And Jesus had already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So so the writer of Hebrews starts talking to us about what God wants to do for us and these promises and this oath and, and how we have this anchor for our soul. And he's, he's giving Abraham and, and then this guy named Melchizedek as an example. We skip to chapter, uh, or we don't skip, we just keep rolling right into chapter 7, verse 1. And the writer's now going to give us more of the story. He's going to say, okay, I'm using this illustration, but in case you've forgotten, let me tell you which part of the story of Abraham I'm talking about. And he goes into chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and also was a priest of Most High God. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Here's the story. Abraham's nephew Lot had gone, had been captured by nine kings who were in battle. He had been captured and taken. All of his family, all of his livestock, everything he owned had been taken captivity. And Abraham gathered his men and went after them and defeated all of the kings and brought Lot back. And on their way back, Abraham met Melchizedek standing in the middle of the road. And they have this encounter where Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice or king of righteousness and king of Salem, which means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. Notice here that he called him king of righteousness first and king of peace second. The order here, it's subtle, but it's very important. Because before you can ask for the king of peace, he has to first be your king of righteousness. We'll come back to that at another sermon another time. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek was not a descendant of Levi, but he still collected a tithe from Abraham. So he meets Melchizedek on the road. Melchizedek blesses him and Abraham immediately without prompting without asking without a law this is this is long before the law of Moses was in was written he turns and he gathers all of the things and before he took one thing he said Melchizedek I'm taking a tenth a tithe and I'm giving it to you I'm giving you a tenth I'm giving you the first tenth of everything and he said this if you go back and read this story in Genesis chapter 14 I love it he says because I don't want anyone to say that I made this victory happen on my own, but it was the Lord God who caused this thing to happen. 
I want to begin a new series today, and, and we're going to talk about some of these blessings of God. We're going to talk about the, some of the things that accompany salvation. The Bible says that the blessings of the Lord make one rich, and they add no sorrow to it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Abram had these promises, and they were, with, they were immutable. Without the ability to change, they were unchangeable. And he was counting on God to come through. He was counting on his Lord. He was counting on the, the one who had called him out. And he had this anchor as a soul because he knew that God had promised it and he had swore an oath by himself and Abraham was doing his part. And he had confidence because for Abraham, this covenant was a personal thing. For Abraham, his role and God's role, these promises and his part, his tithe, it was personal. I want to talk to you for the next few weeks as we talk about our covenant and we talk about Abraham and others throughout the Bible. And, and yes, just so you know, uh, we're, we're going to talk about money, so don't grab your wallets. It's going to be okay. Abraham had recognized in this covenant that, that God had given him that though Abraham may be doing uh, addition and subtraction, God was doing multiplying and blessing. And he realized this is a covenant and I have a, a part in it, but I have the easy part. God does the hard part. Our series is simply entitled, It's Personal. This time. This time. This time. This time. This time is personal. This time is personal. This time, it's personal. This time, it's personal. This time, it's personal. As we talk about these stories and we, as we go through the scripture, I want to talk to you about why I do what I do why we give, why it's personal to people. And at the end of every sermon, I'm going to share with you someone's story in this church, a real story about why their covenant with God, why giving to God, why tithing is personal to them. And in this series, we're definitely going to talk about money. We're going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about giving. But we're also going to talk about not being controlled by mammon or the spirit of money. And we're going to talk about what God wants to do for you and why he asks us for money. You say, well, Pastor Rena, why do you got to talk about money? Well, put it this way. Jesus told us 38 parables, 38 stories to give us messages of the kingdom and, and uh, pictures of what it was like in the kingdom. 38 parables he gave, and, and 30, uh, 16 of them talked about money in one form or another. So out of the 38 sermons that Jesus preached, 16 of them he dealt with money. So if you don't like me talking about money, you didn't want to be in Jesus' church, because he talked about it a lot. Turn, elbow your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Here's another one for you. For all you prayer warriors, there are 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There are 2,000 verses in the Bible on money. <laughs> tithing became a law under Moses. There's, there's three periods of tithing that we see in the Bible and in history. There's before the law. There's under the law, which was Moses. And there's after the law, which is where we live. Abraham tithed under the law, I mean, uh, before the law, because for him, it wasn't about something he had to do. It was about something that he wanted to do, and that's why it was personal to him. Abraham gave a, a tithe, a tenth, but he gave it before he took any for himself. You can, go, you can find this also in, in Genesis chapter 4, and you see here the story of, of two brothers, Cain and Abel. They were the sons, the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a rancher. 
And the Bible tells us that both, both of them brought an offering to the Lord. But we see some interesting things. First of all, it says that Cain brought some of his grain to the Lord. Abel brought the firstborn to the Lord. And as you study these, we see some unique things about the tithe. And and I want to give you uh, three principles that you need to know today. Three truths about God and about the tithe that, that can make all the difference in your life. Here's the first thing you need to know. God must be first. He rejected Cain's offering because it was just some of the offering. He accepted Abel's offering because it was the first. So we're going to talk about specifically what the tithe is, but... in in just a moment, but understand this, God must be first in your life. He will not be second. It's an issue of lordship for God. He wants to be first. God is relational, not religious. And he wants to be in the first place of your life, not just any place. So much that he put it in his laws. This top 10, Exodus chapter 20, you know them as the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20, the very first commandment that he gives us, he says it like this. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's the first commandment that he gave. You shall have no other gods before me. The word before here is specifically talking about an order. He said, you cannot have any other gods before me. I am the only true and living God. And if you put someone else before God, if you put something else before God, you are breaking the very first commandment on which all of the others rest. God said, I have to be first. He goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, and he says it like this. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Make no mistake about it. God is a jealous God. And He wants to be first in your life. That's the only place that He'll hold. He won't take second, and He won't take third, and He won't take fifth, and He won't take tenth. He wants to be first. God wants to be first because He is either Lord of all or He is Lord not at all. He is either Lord of everything or He's not Lord of anything in your life. That's the way God is. He's relational. He's not religious. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be first in your life. It is an issue of lordship. And whoever gets the first is Lord. That's why he wants the first. Because whoever gets the first, that's who's Lord in your life. And he said, I want to know who is first. Abraham understood who was his Lord. He understood who was his God who had called him out uh, of the land of his father. He knew these things. He knew who God was. And when God asked for his firstborn son, Abraham didn't say, well, let me have another one and I'll give you that one. No, no, no. He gave him the first because he said, God, you're Lord. When he had all of this, these spoils of war, he took the first part and he said, I'm giving it to you because it's you, Lord, that caused me to have victory, not me myself. Abraham knew who was first. I got to be honest with you. My wife, as much as I love her, is not first in my life. She's second. This church is not even first in my life. My relationship with God 
comes first. And everything else around me is built upon that truth. God is first. And you know what? I have to be okay with being second in my wife's life. I don't get to be number one. I don't get to take God's place. The truth is, I don't even want to be God. Do you know how much pressure comes with being God? You make a promise, and it's unchangeable. You can't change your mind. You've got to come through on everything you ever say, even if you say it on a whim. You've got to show up every time, every place, for everything, for everybody, all the time, in all of our stuff, in all of our problems. I don't want it that bad. But I want Him to be first. God must be first in your life. Amen. God must be first. The second truth is this, that we show Him who is first by giving Him the first of everything. We put God first by giving Him the first of everything. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 a tithe of some of the land nope. come on now so y'all, some of y'all been in church long enough to know what we're doing right here a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord here's what you've got to understand for me the first it's not even mine in the first place It's this truth that it it belongs to the Lord. Why Malachi wrote later, hundreds of years after Moses wrote wrote this law, hundreds of years later, he said, you've been robbing me because you've been taking something that doesn't even belong to you. When God gets the first, it says he is first in my life. What I love about this is it's... It's God's way of of saying, hey, listen, I want to give you the chance to prove what your words are saying. Words are cheap. Tithing costs you something. But it's not just about money. Uh, I've always been, y'all know this, I am not a morning person. And so I never wanted to pray right when I woke up because I'm not in a good mood to pray. I'm not, in, I'm not my best when I first wake up. I, f- I saw a deal on Facebook uh, this morning, and it said uh, there are two types of people in the world, morning people and those who want to shoot morning people. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> morning people are like, what are y'all talking about? I'm wonderful. <laughs> and the rest of us are like, mm-mm, you're not. And so for most of my life, I never wanted to pray in the morning because I never felt like I was my best. But then last year, God really spoke something to me. And he said, Randon, I didn't ask you for your best. I asked you for your first. And so now I pray oftentimes before I ever open my eyes because if my kids see my eyes open, it is on. So as soon as I get my wits about me, I say, God, even if it's just a few minutes, God, I give this day to you. My life belongs to you because I'm giving him the first of everything. And I show him who's first. I put God first by giving him the first of everything. Is God first in your life? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the Living Bible. Look at this last portion of this verse. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. Why should we tithe, Pastor Randon? The purpose, the why, 
The reason is to, to teach us to always put God first. And if you'll put Him first in your money, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And if we'll put Him first in our treasure, we'll be putting Him first in the rest of our lives. So God instituted the tithe as a way of us showing who is first. When we tithe, it goes beyond words. It moves to action. Two things about the tithe you need to know. First of all, the order is important. It tells God who is first. The second is the amount is important. It's not a specific dollar sign. It's a percentage. It's the first 10%. Tithe literally translates from the Hebrew and the Greek, in case you were wondering, as tenth. And so it's the first 10%. So whatever comes out first, when you get paid, whatever comes out first, that's who's getting your tithe. That's who's Lord in your life. Remember, whoever gets the first is Lord. So uh, I've been working with my daughter on uh, multiplying decimals and dividing decimals. She's in fifth grade, and we're at that point. She, she, um, as much as I'm a numbers person, she's not. She's reading at like a seventh grade reading level in fifth grade. But in math, we, we've, it takes patience and endurance and a lot of faith. <clears throat> Anybody else got a kid like that? Just like, oh. Kennedy, multiplying by one-tenth is the easiest thing you do. All you do is move the decimal place one time. That's all. You just move it, move it one time to the left. I don't get it, Dad. Well, lots of people don't, apparently. <laughs> She's not alone. So, you may have seen me do this illustration before because it makes it very clear to me and it helps me. I have $10 bills here. 10 $1 bills. First question is, how much is the tithe? $1. You just move the decimal place one time. The second question is, and the, and the issue that we're talking about right now, because the amount is important, one-tenth, but also the place is important. The order is important. So which one is the tithe becomes the next question. And the simple answer is this, because they all look the same. I mean, one is kind of dirty and one looks more new. It's a little more crisp. You know, one was made in a 2009 series. One was a 2006 series. Uh, you, you know, but they essentially they're all worth the same. They all look the same. So which one? How do I know which one is the tithe? And the simple answer is this. Whichever one you spend first is the tithe. So I can't do it like this, and I can't say, well, I've got $10, and I've and I got to pay bills and things, so I'm going to pay my house note with this one, and then I'm going to pay my car note with that one, and then I'm going to, uh, my, my kids, they, they've got cheerleading camp this week, I've got to pay that one, then I've got to get some gas, then my wife had to go to the grocery store this week, then she forgot stuff at the grocery store, she's got to go again, then she forgot the diapers, so I've got to go again. <laughs> Is that not y'all's life? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Walmart gets a lot of my money. Um, uh, w w what else comes up? Oh, man, I've got to have a cell phone because we cannot function in life without a cell phone and the data package and the roaming. That's, th <laughs> that's $2. And I've paid all these bills, and I look up, and, and if, you're in good, if, you've, if you've handled your money correctly, okay, thank goodness... I've paid all my bills, and I have one dollar left, and I bring it to you, God. And God says, I thank you for the offering, but that's not a tithe. 
I appreciate the offering, but that's not a tithe. Why? Not because of the amount, but because of the order. So it goes like this. God, I, I got a lot going on this month. I've got this happening, I've got that happening, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, but I want you to know that you're first. So God, I'm bringing you my tenth first, and then I'm going to go pay the rest of my bills. The order is important. It's the first one that I spend. Whichever one you spend first is Lord in your life. So if you say, it's an issue of lordship, and God wants to be first. So here's the question. If you want to know who's really Lord in your life, go check your bank account. Get, get out your checkbook. For those of you that are under 30 in the room, it's that little book with papers on it, and you would sign things, and you would put amounts on it. It transferred money. It was amazing. I know that you don't know what I'm talking about right now, but ask your parents or your grandparents. Uh, but, get, but get your checkbook. Remember when you used to get your checkbook and you'd write everything in the ledger at the top and you would balance your checkbook? Go look and see who got the first one. Where did the first check go to? You got paid on the first. Who got the first portion? Who got the first piece? That is who is Lord in your life. And then ask yourself this question. Can that Lord give me promises and swear by an oath? And it be unchangeable without the ability to change. He has to come through for it. Can he save me? Can he open up the windows of heaven over my life and pour out blessings that I don't even have room enough to receive? Can he cause my barns to be filled with plenty and my vats to overflow with new wine? Can that Lord do what my Lord can do? Whoever gets the first is Lord. Whoever gets first is Lord. So it's the order and it's the amount. That leads us to our third point. The first has the power to bless the rest. Whatever you give the first to, it has the power to bless the rest. So if you give the first to God, He has the power. And not only does He have the power, but according to His word, He is obligating Himself to bless the rest of your finances. He is obligating himself to bless the rest of your life. He is obligating himself to come through for you and, and, and the things you need in your life and the challenges you face. He is obligating himself to be Lord for you. Notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will, over, will be bursting with wine. He didn't say overflow your vats and your barns and then bring me the tithe. He said, put me first. Then. Again, he's giving us an order here. God first. Then. Because when you put God first, he's obligated to come through for you. He's obligated to. And he, and he doesn't have the ability to change. Now, now know that God being obligated to bless himself, obligating himself to bless the rest of your life does not give you a license to spend the, all your money any way you want to and expect God to magically put money in your account. This is not a magic solution to live above your means and to waste money and, and to do things that you cannot afford to do. That's not what tithing does for you. 
But it does mean that the things in your life that are supposed to produce will produce. The things in your life that are supposed to have a harvest will have a harvest. It means that, that unexpected things may happen in your life. You may get a discount when everybody else paid more. You don't know. It means that you have a right to ask God for a, a, a debt to be canceled or demolished and expected. It may just happen this time. It, it, it may mean that God may just surprise you with a bank error in your favor like you used to play Monopoly. It means that God is working on your half, behalf. It means that you have favor in your life. I've put God first, and thus I know that He has blessed me and will continue to bless me. And as the writer of Hebrews said, I love this, he said, I have this anchor for my soul. Because God is first in my life. Because He is Lord in my life. I have this anchor that is, that is gripping me and holding me. It's this hope. And I won't let go because it's gripping a, a solid, solid rock. When I was a kid, many of you know that my younger sister Hannah is a, a, a worship pastor. Does an amazing job. She's got uh, a song out uh, now that she released at... Um, at conference song that uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Brandon wrote, and uh, it's called Reaching. It's a fabulous song. And, uh, but she wasn't the first in my family. If you've been around a while, you know that my mom was a worship leader for much of the history of this church. She led worship and built teams and, and sent people out all around the world. And, but what you may not know is my mom is not actually the first worship leader in my family. But my grandfather, my mom's dad, was actually the first worship leader in our family. And when he came home from the war, uh, in the, he, he had given his life to God. He had been serving God all the way through the war. And, and he got involved in church and he started leading worship. And of course, at the time, it was all the hymnals. But he was one of the first people that really started to connect them and, and sing the song of the Lord and go from one to the other and really uh, follow the leading of the Spirit in worship. And uh, back in those days, this was unheard of. And... Um, but as a kid, I remember I was sitting in church and my mom at the end of a worship service called my grandfather up on stage and I wish he was here today. He's, of course, in our Nederland campus. And my grandfather started talking about serving in the Navy during World War II and fighting the Nazis and German subs and, and uh, fighting hurricanes and major storms as he was crossing the Atlantic he, taught, he starts telling stories about watching his friend's ship get sunk right in front of him by a German sub and, and going and trying to find that sub. And, but then he sang this old hymn, and, and some of you may know it. And, and it stuck with me. And every time I read this scripture where the writer said, it's, it's an anchor for my soul, I, I'm brought back to that moment. I'm brought back to that moment thinking about my grandfather as a little boy in the cotton fields of Mississippi growing up with absolutely nothing. And I think about him as a soldier and I think about what God has done for me. You may this song, know this song. It's called In Times Like These. Pastor Chris is going to help me sing it. If you know it, you can sing it with me. In times like these We need a Savior in times like these, we need an anchor, be very sure, be very sure. 
testify a little bit and you sing this last verse in time, in time like these, these you have a savior in times like these you i have a facing troubles in my life, when, when the waves are crashing in over me, when the walls are caving in on me, when worry is creeping down on me, I have this anchor, and, and I realize that if it could hold my grandfather in the, in, the, in the cotton fields of Mississippi, and if it could keep him through the dark hours of World War II, and it could keep him through his life, and it's kept me up until this time, I have this anchor, and it holds me, and it, so it's very, very personal to me, and it, and it may not be personal to you, but I've been through a few things, and I'm still walking through a few things, but I, I have this promise for God, and it is sure, and it is yes, and it is amen, and, and so I hold on to this hope that, that God cannot change because he doesn't have the ability to change and when he said he would do it, he will do it and when he said he would come through for me, he will come through for me and when he said he would be my God, when he said he would be my Lord and I made him God and I made him Lord and I put him first, I have a history that says God you are obligated to be Lord in my life, God you are obligated to come through for me not because I said it but because you said it and you can not change so my anchor has held for 33 years it is held through the high times and through the low times it is held I don't know about you but it's very personal to me because I need him to be God in my life and I need him to be Lord in my life and forgive me for getting a little bit Pentecostal today and preaching to you but I just I just need him to be God I need him to be first I need you to be my Lord because I cannot do this as Abraham said I'm putting you first because I don't want anyone to think that I did it but it was you God it is very personal to me I tithe because God is first and no matter what happens and no matter what may look like it's going to happen and when the devil called worry that is trying to get on me even now I say you can't get on me because he is Lord he is God it may not be personal to you, but it is very personal to me. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he your God? I want to take just a few minutes and I want to share with you a story. This wonderful family, they serve in our children's ministry in Nederland. They've been here for just a couple of years. Their name is Brian and Tara Daniels. I want you to watch their story, how it's personal to them. And ask yourself, is it personal to you? I'm Brian. And I'm Tara. And we're the Daniels. We've been coming here for two years now. 
We have two daughters, Kira and Aspen Daniels. One is seven years old and Aspen is two years old. We were already so much in debt, we were endangered of losing our home. Our cars were about to be repossessed. And I mean, we had bill collectors calling, you know, 10 times a day on average. And it just seemed like, you know, it wasn't the common sense thing to do. You know, why should we give our money away when we had nothing to, you know, for ourselves? We were about to lose our home. We were gonna lose our vehicles. Actually, my, my vehicle got repossessed. Um, we behind, three, four months behind on bills. It's a scary thing to do, but we asked ourselves, do we believe in God? Do we trust Him? Well, what motivated me to start our family on tithing was that we kept coming to church and we tried to do good, but it seems like, you know, we weren't changing. It's like, you know, we weren't getting ahead. And in our struggles, we learned basically how to be more responsible and take charge of our own money and not be the slave to our money, whether it be the master to our money. Our finances have never been better. We are succeeding in our jobs. We've been getting promotions, raises after raises, and our financial status has never been better. We've just been climbing constantly on our credit. Our seven-year-old every night has this on her tablet has a kid's Bible that she reads to us every night. She talks about God all the time. We started paying her to do chores to teach her to save and to teach her to tithe. And we taught her that she has to give it willingly. We can't force her to do it. And the positive reinforcement she's had from the other kids uh, over here at Triumph has been helping her more. and. She talks about God on a daily basis and she prays. And actually to walk into her room and watch your daughter pray on her own without being told and just talking to Jesus, really that's one of the greatest things I ever saw and one of the greatest things I ever felt. The more we gave, the better we felt. And before we knew it, we were setting a goal that we wanted to tithe a certain amount of money by the end of the year, whether it be tithing or offering all combined. And it became kind of like a game to us. It became fun because the more we gave, you know, we gave till it hurt sometimes. And it, but it was a good, good hurt. And no matter how much we tithe, for some reason, little things kept coming back to us. We kept finding, you know, help along the way. Stuff would just come out of nowhere. A bill collector said we overpaid. It, it was just, it was phenomenal. There's no way you could explain it. By being obedient and coming to triumph, we learned as because also outside of finances, we were on the verge of getting divorce. And uh, it was really dark time. I mean, we were fighting in front of our children on a daily basis, not just I mean, it was about finances, but it, it was so many different things that we fought about. So many things that we didn't learn to let go or picking and choosing your battles. But we were just going to get divorced like her parents and my parents did. This was another chain that was gonna have to be broken. And we were the ones we decided that once we learned our roles as parents and as a couple through our church, we were taught by so many people here about, you know, it, it, it changed our marriage, not just our finances. It changed our whole lives as families. 
that you know we've been more attentive to our children about what they do, how they interact with God, how they need to pray. And it's changed, not Triumph hasn't just changed our finances, it's changed our lives. And it's been all for the better. And honestly, if it hadn't been for God and this church, I really don't think we would, uh, this family would still be together. We would be more in debt. We could have possibly been in debt and uh, maybe not even together. But we definitely owe it all to, um, to God and to Triumph. For Brian and Tara, it's very personal to them. It goes beyond money. They're not even sure their family would be together today. But when they decided to put God first, everything changed. Is God first in your life? Is He first in your life? Is He Lord in your life? The only way for Him to be Lord is for you to make Him Lord. He won't do it Himself. He wants you to make Him Lord. As you go through things in your life, as you go through difficult times and difficult struggles, maybe you're, you're, you're fighting like Brian and Tara and you're fighting finances, but it's more than that. You're, you're fighting in your marriage. Have you lost hope? Do you need God to come through for you today? You have an anchor. You have an anchor and His name is Jesus, but you have to make Him Lord. You have to make Him Lord. I want to sing this song one time and then we're going to Turn it over to our host. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust in Peter's closed if you're watching online today is he your Lord if he's not you can make him Lord right now it starts with a simple prayer then it moves to putting God first in your life 
you want to make him Lord today, you just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you really quickly. If you need him to be God to you, if you're watching online, I want to pray with you. All right, there are hands going up everywhere. You can place them down. But everybody in the room and watching online, just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my God. I want you to be my Savior. I'm making a commitment to you to put you first in my life. Asking you to forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life with you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.